0: everybody thank you so much for tuning in to cultivate church online we're so honored that you're here with us however you're tuning in via podcast or right there on the website or youtube hey thank you for being a part of what god's doing here at cultivate church uh it's an honor that we get to be a part together here every single week uh i would love to invite you to be with us live at one of our campuses every weekend cultivate church alabaster or Columbiana campuses 9 or ten fifteen. There really isn't anything quite like being together physically in the building, worshiping together. So however you're tuning in, wherever you're listening from, I'd love for you to be my guest uh, one day uh, soon here at one of our campuses. Well, we're In the series we've called Bear Fruit, all month long we've been talking about what it's like for us to live out our life bearing the fruit of the Spirit that the Bible speaks about. The Bible talks about that in Galatians, all uh, the different fruits of the Spirit. And the theme verse we've talked about in Matthew chapter seven, verse sixteen. We've read this every week. It says you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. You can identify them by their fruit, the fruit that's produced in their life. And he goes on, in case we don't realize understand that, he says it's, it's, it's their attitude, it's the way that they act, it's the decisions. That they make it's the things that they do, how they treat people, the things that they say, the life that they live. It's the fruit that bears witness of our life. He goes on to talk about that, and uh, just a couple of verses later, he talks about the 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 being able to identify it. He says a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. It's impossible for that to happen. And no, in Galatians chapter 5, it talks about what the good fruit is. In Galatians chapter 5, he talks about, Paul writes it and he says, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit inside of us. He goes on, he says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against these things there is no law. This is the tree, this is the good fruit that Jesus says, and you can identify them. By the fruit that they bear. Are you kind? Are you gentle? Do you have self-control? Do you love people? Come on, what does it look like in your life? Week one, we talked about Fruit Ninja. I titled that message Fruit Ninja, and we talked about what it's like for us to be bombarded with all of the different ways that we can live our life. You've seen the game, if you have a smartphone, you've heard of the game Fruit Ninja, and how all of the fruit's always constantly throwing up, and your job as it's tossed in the air is to cut the fruit, is to chop the fruit, and eventually it throws all kinds of obstacles in your way, and you find yourself hitting bombs and frozen things and all these different obstacles that's supposed to stop you from actually pursuing the right fruit. And we learned in week one that that's a reality. Jesus said, Jesus talked about it in John chapter 15, that He was the vine, we were the branches, that the Father is the gardener. And we learned that week that fruit is never produced by me, it's always produced through me. That's why Galatians says the Holy Spirit produces these fruit in our lives. That's why Jesus said a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit in Matthew chapter seven. Why is that? Well, it's because we don't get to produce the fruit the fruit of our lives, the way that we act, is a direct result of who we're connected to. That's why Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me and I'll abide in you. If you stay with me, stay connected to the vine. And so week one, we discussed what that looks like and the value of staying connected to Jesus. That's why, that's why behavior modification has never really worked out. People see something that they need to change and they go, yeah... I need to be more kind, or I need to have more self-control, or I need, to, I need to love people more. Man, I need to stop being that way. And it works for a little bit, but inevitably you find yourself going right back into the same attitude, the same actions, the same way of life that you always have. And why is that? Well, because you thought that you could manipulate the fruit that's being produced in your life without being connected to the vine who is Jesus. And so week one, we talked about the value of staying connected to Jesus. Last week, week number two, Pastor Brandon spoke about picking fruit. And he gave us three different options that we can choose the sinful life, we can choose the spiritual life, or we can choose the sanctified life. And we talked about the value of being pulled away from the world, looking different from those around us who don't follow Jesus. That as a follower of Jesus... My life should be submitted to his word, honoring him and following his ways. It's a sanctified life. That word, that's an old churchy word, but really it simply means to be set apart. To be different than those around me. And so what does it look like? What kind of fruit am I picking? In the next two weeks, today and then next week, we've titled the message Fruit Awareness. And this is going to be part one of that message. And we're going to be talking about, we're going to break down the different fruits mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to talk about uh, how do I identify with the fruit that can only be produced through the Holy Spirit? What does it look like for me to begin to ultimately understand and recognize what it is and how it operates and how can I begin to know if I'm producing that kind of fruit in my life or not. So we're going to pray and we're going to dive into recognizing the fruits of the Spirit together. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your word today. It's alive and breathing and for us. God, if we don't use your word, if we don't have something to live our life by, ultimately we're kind of wasting our time. I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough or good enough to um, offer any kind of advice To anybody apart from your word and it actually take root and bring life change but God we know that the power of God is working through the word of God and so father I pray that you do what only you can do in our lives today as we open your word I pray you perform spiritual surgery on our hearts do what only you can do so that we can live a life on purpose that honors you you'll get all the honor for it in Jesus name Amen. If you're taking notes, I hope you are right where you are. You want to write this down. The very first one that we need to recognize is love. Love. The first fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 is love. And John 13 talks about what that looks like. Jesus says in verse 34 and 35, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. This is profound. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now there's all different kinds of love mentioned in Scripture. We only have the word love. There's actually five different kinds. And this actually particularly mentioned here in John chapter 13 is the same word mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, agape. And that agape word, that word in the Greek is, is, means this unconditional I don't care what you do to me or how you treat me or what happens circumstantial. There's nothing that can stop my love for you. It's the love that caused God to, in spite of our sins, say he so loved the world that he gave his only Son. It's the same love that in 1 Peter 5 talks about that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of the cross, when we could provide no good thing back to him, he sacrificed himself for me and for you. This word love, this fruit produced through the Holy Spirit is vastly different than probably uh, many of the definitions of love that we see in our culture today. Come on, we love everything, don't we? We have a great meal at a nice restaurant. I love that. Or, or, you know, fill in the blank. We love our sports teams. We love things that we're connected to. But we don't have that kind of love, right? That no matter what you do to me, it's not reciprocal. It's not based on anything you do for me. I love you. It's the foundation for all other fruits. Love is a commitment to others, freely giving without counting the cost or calculating one's own profit. Love is the antidote to selfishness or contempt. Love, honestly, is the one thing that, that changes everything. First Peter chapter one, verse eight talks about love covering a multitude of sins. You see, it's the love in my life, it's the love that can only be produced from being connected to Jesus, produced by the Holy Spirit in my life, that causes me to look at those who have wronged me, that causes me to look at those who don't agree with me, who may live differently than I do, who have different lifestyles than me, who have different personalities than me, and, and I can love them, and it covers all of those things. Come on, who in your life has treated you wrong or done you wrong or treated you bad? Come on, you have a temptation to write them off, to push them away. And the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. I've learned this, that it's hard to be frustrated at somebody you're loving. Remember one, week, week one, with the very last point of our message in week one was love. We talked about a little bit about love that day and we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the love chapter. I would invite you to go ahead and go back and and reference that and read that. It talks about how love is, and it lists many of the fruits of the Spirit. It's patient. It's kind. It's long-suffering. It doesn't keep records of wrongs. It's not selfish or boastful or pride or prideful. It, it, It hopes in all things. It never gives up. Come on, love changes the world. And can I tell you this, that there is no love that's the same as the love of God through Christ Jesus. We we live in a culture that loves to talk about, (laughs) loves to talk about love. We see love plastered everywhere, but ironically, it doesn't look like love mentioned in the word of God. And can I tell you, there's no counterfeit love that can, that can hold a candle to the reality of the fruit that's produced only through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the kind of love that says, no matter what, I'm for you. No matter what, I'll do what it takes to rescue you. No matter what, I'm going I'm to link arms and we're going to walk through whatever it is together that we need to walk through so that we can see each other. So that I can see you succeed in life. That's what love is. Love Makes all the difference number two if you're taking notes we see the the fruit of love we also see the fruit of joy love joy joy in Romans 15 and 13 says it this way he says I pray that God the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice this is something that can only come through the Holy Spirit. Joy is produced through Him. Joy is completely separate From our circumstances. Let me prove it to you. You ready? In Acts chapter 13 verses 50 and 52. Right there in your notes it says, Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust off their feet as a sign of rejection and went into the town of Licinium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. Just a little bit of context. Paul and Barnabas and, and their disciples were preaching the gospel town to town and they got into this one particular location and they just were not welcome there. They ran them out of town. That happened often in the book of Acts. Many times they were actually beaten out of town. They were actually stoned out of town where they weren't welcome with the gospel. And I love how, it, how um, what it portrays here in verse 51. It says, well they just shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection. They went on to the next town. And it says that the believers were filled with joy and with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that in James. It says in James chapter one, for us to consider it all joy when we face trials of many circumstances, because it produces lots of things in us. But what I've discovered in my life is that joy completely is completely separate from every circumstance in my life. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Remember, happiness is very fleeting, isn't it? Happiness is ever-moving. It's why every time we think we've attained it, it only lasts for a little while. It's like when you've ever gotten a new car. You got the new car, it made you so happy until you got the first scratch on it. Or until your kid dropped the first french fry in it. And all of a sudden, it's not what it was and it just doesn't make you as happy as it did. We've all gotten the new home or gotten the, the new career or you've gotten the bonus at work or you're in the new relationship that you dreamed would have happened at some point. And it's never what it is all cracked up to be. Why? It's because happiness is a counterfeit joy. The enemy places things in our life and circumstances and situations in our life thinking, hoping, hoping that we would believe that that's the thing that makes the difference and if he could ever get you on this track to where you pursue happiness all the days of your life, he'll know that you will always be chasing a ghost. It's not the same as joy. You see, joy is a, is, is a deep, deeply rooted satisfaction that only comes through the power of Jesus produced by the Holy Spirit. It's completely independent of our circumstances. Joy, I've learned, is the defense of depression. It's the defense against anxiety. Joy is the defense against bitterness in my life. Joy is powerful because it can dispel any negativity. It has, listen, it helps us recover momentum and stride in our lives. It's joy produced in our life that brings a defense against those things. Can I tell you why I think that that our country and that our culture struggles so much with anxiety and depression and anger and bitterness and rejection? You know why? Because we've all bought into the lie that if I can just seek happiness, everything will be okay. So we have so many of us. Waking up every single day in the rat race of life, spinning our wheels, going to work and coming home and spending our money and getting our things and doing our stuff. Going from relationship to relationship to relationship and thing and to thing to thing, stuff to stuff to stuff, job to job to job, seeking happiness. And we're depressed and we're full of anxiety because happiness is the counterfeit to joy. Joy can only be produced through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I give you an, uh, uh, an example? Maybe an, a litmus test that you can check. If your attitude is often affected by your circumstance. If you, just, if you literally change with every wind that blows and every circumstance that comes your way. It's an indicator that joy isn't being produced in your life. It's actually an indicator that you're chasing happiness, thinking it's what's what you need to catch. And can I tell you today, you don't have to chase joy. Joy is not something you have to go pursue. The Bible says Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. The Bible says if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near. To you. Joy is not ever fleeting. Joy is not a moving target. Joy, is his name is Jesus. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit produced in you and through you overflowing into the life that you live. Can I tell you today, maybe you're here today and you've been chasing the wrong thing. Maybe you're here today and you struggle with depression and anxiety and bitterness and anger and you're, stro- and you're confused at life. Can I tell you today, his name is Jesus and if you'll pursue him, he'll give you joy. Like you never dreamed or was possible in your life, he'll change your life today. Maybe today you need to be pursuing joy. You need to let Jesus produce that in your life. Number three, if you're taking notes, another fruit of the spirit is peace. Can everybody take a deep breath? It's the peace of God. There's nothing that can explain it on this earth. As a matter of fact, He talks about that in Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. When there's nothing like the peace of God. Nothing like it. The Bible says it's a peace that can't be understood. It's the Holy Spirit's cure for stress. Did you know that? Peace is the Holy Spirit's cure for stress. There is a reason for every fruit of the Spirit in our life being produced. Peace is a deep sense of contentment and well-being rooted in our relationship with God and all that Jesus has accomplished for us through his sacrifice on the cross. This is peace. Here's what I've noticed in my life. It It talks about it right here in Scripture. Why are so many of us lacking peace in every circumstance, in every situation? Why am I walking through life and I just have this uneasiness in my life? Well, peace is only found through prayer. Peace can only be produced, prayer is the fertilizer, per se, of the fruit of peace in my life. If you want to see peace produced, overwhelming peace, then you need to get a prayer life. Ask yourself this question When's the last time I've consistently prayed? Beyond asking God for something that I want or wanting him to change something that that I wish were different. When's the last time you've just had a consistent time to pray with the Lord? What does it say? Don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he's done. When is the last time you've made a commitment that, man, before before my feet hit the ground every day, I'm going to thank God for another day? When's the last time you said, before before I move in this decision, I'm going to ask God what his opinion is through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to ask for the peace of God that passes understanding. When the world looks at me in every circumstance, in every situation, and they ask me how in the world can I have a sense of peace in my life when these things are going on in my life, I can look at them and say I can't explain it, I don't understand it, but I've got a peace that only God can bring, and he's going to work things out. The fact that he brought me through my yesterday means he's going to walk me through my today. I'm holding on to the peace of God. It's far more than just absence of conflict. That word uh, shalom, the word peace, it actually means completeness, soundness. There's just a well-being. Y'all, it's not something eternal that one day we'll have. That man, if I can just hold on in the chaos of the world around me, that one day eternity's coming and I'll have peace. No, it's a promise of God for you today. You don't have to jump on the boat of chaos in the world around us. Come on, as a follower of Jesus, you can walk in the peace of God that passes understanding. And the world can begin to look at you and see the fruit of the Holy Spirit being produced in your life and desire what you have. The world desires peace more than anything else, I believe. They don't know how to get it. When's the time in your own life that maybe you've seen someone that had peace when it just didn't make sense? I remember when my son Shepherd was born; it was a scary moment, but there was just something inside of me that said, "Man, God's going to work it out." I've got peace that passes understanding. When those around me and my family and friends, when many of them were worried or nervous, or we had my wife Danielle and I, we just had a resolve that Jesus was in control. We laid our head down at night knowing that he was the shepherd was going to be okay. God had given us a peace I remember planting this church ten years ago. There were lots of people saying, why another church? Why another thing? Why in the world would you do that? That doesn't even make sense. It's not going to succeed. Don't you know the statistics of, of how often churches fail versus times that they succeed? We just had a peace that passes understanding. We had already gone to God in prayer. We had already gotten the okay and the affirmation through the power of the Holy Spirit and He surrounded us with people who believed that same thing too. And we had a peace that passed understanding. So we were able to walk through the obstacles that everything that that came our way, walking through it, knowing and trusting that God was going to work things out. Here's one thing I know. I know that there are many people that lack the peace of God that actually don't follow through with the plan of God because it looks a little too scary in their life. Maybe you're in that position right now. Maybe you're worried about a job. Maybe you're worried about taking that position or not taking that position. Maybe you think, if I don't take that position, then I'm not going to have the resources to pay to supply for my family. And my question would be, have you taken it to the Lord? Because I can tell you, listen, any decision you make that's separate from the truth of God and his word is not going to lead you to a more prosperous life. It's not going to lead you to more joy or more satisfaction in life. What you need to be asking God is, I need some peace in the circumstance that I'm in. Maybe you're in a relationship right now and just something just doesn't feel right. And it might be the power of the Holy Spirit reminding you, hey, this isn't producing peace in your life. And you need to get peace from God before you make that decision. Maybe you need to spend some more time in prayer. Peace is produced through prayer. What does it look like? Do You have peace in your life. And you'll experience God's peace that passes understanding. There is nothing like the peace of God. We'll move on to the next one, number four. I love this one, patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. I love Galatians 6, 9. He goes on to talk about it. After he'd mentioned it in the fruit, he said, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. What's he saying? Be patient. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. If we don't quit, if we'll just have some patience. What does patience actually mean? Really, patience means consistency. That's really all it means. It's a a fruit produced through the Holy Spirit in our life, but it's it's the power of the Holy Spirit allowing us, encouraging us, empowering us to be more consistent in our life. I read this week that it's the fruit of patience that gre- is the grease in the gears. What does that mean? Well, it's actually patience that sustains love, joy, and peace. Listen to what James chapter 5 says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait. For the Lord's return, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains to fall uh, in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen you too must be patient take courage for the coming of the lord is near patience this is a rare fruit you know why because patience is produced through pressure and through testing that's why it makes it so difficult i've learned this in my own life patience is always produced through pressure it's always through produced through testing (coughs) none of us like that do we None of us like to have the pressure of life. None of us like to have difficult circumstances or to walk through hard things. Even if you're a problem solver, even if you enjoy doing those things, you don't really love difficult things in your life. Well, that's what produces patience. That's what produces the fruit of the fruit of the spirit in your life. Patience sustains those things. Now, we get this. Here's a great illustration. We can understand what patience looks like because it's produced through difficult times. It's reduced to hard circumstances. I began to think about that this week, and I began to think about parenting. I remember being a single person and sitting in a restaurant and seeing somebody's kid act a fool. Come on, you've all been there. We've all seen it. And you go, what do you say to yourself? Oh, that'll never be me. Oh, if my kid ever did that. Oh, I would never make that decision as a parent. And then you have a kid, and you get a little more patient, don't you? You understand a little bit more than what you did before. You see, I've learned that a lack of patience really is a lack of understanding often. Because then I had my child, and I was a lot more patient than I said I would be when I was that single person sitting in that restaurant. And then it goes even further, right? Because then I had my one child, and I remember seeing people with two children or three or four going, No, I'm a parent now. They would definitely never do that. And then I had my second child, and I grew a little more patient. And I remember looking at families with three and four and five kids and going, how do they do it? It's chaos all the time. It's loud all the time. How do they, how do they manage it? I heard this said one time that you're really not even a real parent unless you have three kids. Because <laughs> it's man-to-man up until that point. It increases our patience, doesn't it? Come on, how patient are you in life? How many times have you walked through circumstances in life and you just let it get the best of you? Well, the reality is the only way to actually grow in that is to allow the Holy Spirit produce patience in your life. It happens through pressure. It's why James chapter 1 says, Consider it all joy. (laughs) Remember joy. Consider it all joy when you walk through difficult seasons because that produces patience in us. It allows us to live a life that honors God through every circumstance. And he develops that patience and he gives us his peace and he brings joy and it allows us to love people unconditionally. Maybe you're here today and you've struggled with that. Maybe you've lived a life that's that's required the patience of God. What do you mean? What are you talking about, Brandon? Well, 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Come on, it's the patience of God. You ever wonder why in the world this world's going to hell in a handbasket It's only getting worse. Society's growing further and further away from God. We've heard it, we've all seen it. We we see it everywhere we look, right? God, why would you allow this to continue? Why would you allow this to keep on? Because he's patient, because he loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine. Maybe you're tuning in today and you're living a life that's far from God. Come on, you're making some decisions in your life that do not honor God. You're in a relationship that doesn't honor God, you're making decisions that isn't honoring God. Come on, you've made some bad decisions in your career. You've, 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 you've lied about some things. You've done some things. Maybe right now you're in a circumstance right now with that you know that you know that you know that this doesn't honor God. Well, there's a reason why you're still here because God is patient and He loves you more than you could dream or imagine. I talk about this illustration of parents with kids seems like the more kids you have, the more patient you tend to be. God's got millions of kids. He's more patient than you could ever dream or imagine. There's nothing in your life that He couldn't restore for your good and for His glory. As a matter of fact, that's what He specializes in. You're here today and you're struggling. And you need to know that you need a relationship with Jesus. I would invite you to say this prayer. Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry I've done it in my own strength. I've made decisions in my own ability. I've tried to live my life in my own opinions and in my own way. But I recognize today that I need a Savior. That, Father, you didn't place me on this this earth to live a life apart from you. And so moving forward today, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Father, use me for your glory. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.